Introduction The process of election affords a moral certainty that the office of president will never fall to the lot of any man who is not in an eminent degree endowed with the requisite qualifications. Talents for low intrigue and the little arts of popularity may alone suffice to elevate a man to the first honors in a single state, but it will require other talents and a different kind of merit to establish him in the esteem and confidence of the whole Union. Alexander Hamilton, Federalist, Number 68, 1788 The newspapers were merciless. One candidate for president was a libertine with a lust for power. He and his followers were discontented hotheads who had long endeavored to destroy the federal constitution. If he was elected, warned one political adversary, murder, robbery, rape, adultery, and incest will all be openly taught and practiced. The air will be rent with the cries of distress. The soil will be soaked with blood. Similarly, sharp language zinged back toward his opponent, the embattled incumbent. The sitting president was a man of limited talents, who was not a defender of democracy, but the head of monarchic, aristocratic, Tory faction that only cared about the rich and powerful elite. As the election got tighter, the allegations became more personal. Drawing room whispers about the challenge's affairs with his female slaves became printed denunciations of his Congo harem. His earlier expressions of religious tolerance stoked allegations that he was a howling atheist who would confiscate the Bibles of God-fearing people. Perhaps the lowest blows of the campaign fell on the incumbent, whom one scribe accused of having a hideous, hermaphroditical character, which has neither the force and firmness of a man, nor the gentleness and sensibility of a woman. Although modern conventional wisdom has it that American presidential elections are nastier and more polarizing than ever, few recent elections can compare with the down-and-dirty partisan warfare on display in the election of 1800. The targets of all this mudslinging, Federalist President John Adams, and his Democratic-Republican challenger, Thomas Jefferson, two now-beloved architects of the American Revolution. Once great friends, the men had become bitter political enemies, with profoundly different views about how the young nation might reach its destiny. On the one hand, Adams and his Federalist allies believed that the future of the young nation was in its cities and in commerce, and it needed a strong central government to do things like acquire new territories and regulate foreign trade. On the other, Jefferson and the Democratic Republicans believed that the heart and soul of the United States was in the agricultural countryside, and that all should be done to protect the independent interests of the yeoman farmer. Geography divided them as well. The Federalists had strongholds in the towns and cities of the North. The Democratic Republicans drew support from the slave-owning South and the hard-scrabble Western frontier. The stakes in 1800 seemed extraordinarily high. In the first years of the New Republic, the two-party system as we know it today did not exist, and there was a reason for that absence. Many of the Founding Fathers believed partisan elections did more harm than good. The common and continual mischiefs of the spirit of party, George Washington had remarked as he left office in 1796 
are sufficient to make it the interest and duty of a wise people to discourage and restrain it. The election of 1800 was only the nation's second partisan election, and the first that resulted in a turnover of the presidency from one party to another. The toxic campaigning and divided polity resulted in a deadlocked election that had to be decided by the House of Representatives barely two weeks before Inauguration Day. Jefferson won, and called his victory over the incumbent the Revolution of 1800. While subsequent observers have argued over the degree to which the moment truly was a revolution, the election precipitated the passage of the Twelfth Amendment to the Constitution, which took the responsibility of breaking a deadlock away from the politics of the House and established a separate, ostensibly nonpartisan, electoral college.